When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. Today, I want to talk about pension funds. I know it doesn't sound like an interesting topic, like this could be a snoozer of a video or of a podcast, but bear with me here. I want to make this interesting for you guys because I think it's important to understand, not only for us, but but across the country, across the world, pensions are hardly a problem that is, is specific to the United States. I think it's important to understand just how crucial of a role pensions will play in the next economic downturn. And when I say crucial role, not a positive role, a very negative role. Pension funds, I don't want to make broad generalizations here. There's a spectrum. Some are in better positions than others. But as a whole, they're underfunded. Meaning that pensions, I mean, which generally are defined benefit plans, meaning these cities, these counties, these states, they have made promises to public employees that we're going to pay you X amount after you retire. Okay, you're going to contribute so much when you retire or, or the state's going to contribute whatever that if it's a sharing program. Um, basically, uh, part of their paycheck is being deferred until after retirement. And in the meantime, in order to make up for the difference here, in order to give the, the employee, the, the, the pensioner, more bang for their buck once they retire, the states or, or various other entities, they invest those funds into the market and they put them in various assets, sometimes things like fixed income, like, like uh, corporate bonds, government bonds, etc. They put them into uh, sometimes just a little bit of cash equivalents, uh, private equity, sometimes real estate, commercial real estate, and a lot of it goes into equities, the stock market. And that's kind of why I'm talking about this today. You know, we've, we, we, we've seen a major downturn in the market in late 2018 here. And then who knows how much further it will go. Obviously, you can see it's bounced recently. In fact, that's part of the reason I'm making this video as well. Part of this bounce, many people have surmised, is because of a rebalancing of pension funds, among other funds. Basically, they're mandated, and we'll get into this a bit here in this video, they're mandated to keep a certain percentage of their assets in various categories, including the stock market. And so what happens is let's say they lose a ton of value on a monthly, a weekly, or a quarterly basis, or or biannually, or you know, half a year basis. Uh, and they basically what was let's say fifty percent of their fund in, in equities is now forty five percent or forty eight percent or whatever because it's lost so much value. And so they need to rebalance that. And they need to buy more stocks in order to bring that back up to their mandated levels. Okay, so that's another reason as to why, uh, part of the reason I think we're seeing this bounce as of late. But as a whole, pension funds, I think, have lost a ton of money thus far in 2018, especially in the last quarter. And that presents a problem. So in order to pay out their, and and I'll get into this here, this is actually Minnesota. The reason I'm using this, I'm a Minnesota native, I have some uh, family members that will probably be uh, relying on this one day. It's Min. M-N-P-E-R-A. Um, I, I consider doing CalPERS, California's uh, Public Employee Retirement, whatever. 
um, because it is such a large state and because it's in much, much worse position than Minnesota. Minnesota is not in a terrible position compared to other states, uh, but, but there's still a lot to take away from that. Um, I decided not to because it's very complicated. They have a lot of different funds. They do not easily break it down, at least in this report right here for 2017, 2018. I did leave this up here, though, just to show you, just to show you on their, on their cover page, uh, this right here, a solid foundation for the future. It's, it's just so ironic that they would place that there when in all reality, uh, that's nowhere near the truth of the matter. But moving back to Minnesota's, the reason that this decline in the stock market is such a problem is not only because their assets have lost value. See right here, you have mandated values. We'll come back to that in here in a second. But also because pension funds require a certain return on a yearly basis in order to, f they, they count on it in order to fund future obligations. They say that basically over a 10-year, 20-year, et cetera, year period, we need to average a certain return in order to meet our obligations. Now, for Minnesota, I forget if it's 7, 7.5%. Uh, it varies from state to state. A lot are anywhere from 65 to maybe on the upper range, maybe 85 maybe 8% in that ballpark. That's what they need on a yearly basis, okay? And so... We can see this here, and we'll get back to that in a second. And so what, what you have is that they need to make that from their various... Uh, you, you can kind of see it here. I'll zoom in for you guys. They need to make that from these various categories of assets. Public equity, 53%. 200% fixed income, which is going to be corporate bonds, government bonds yielding various percentage points, and then private markets and cash and whatnot. So they need to make that return as a whole over the long term in order to meet their funding. But I think it's important to understand that, like, we, we can just discount, like, one year. Yeah, like, they missed it. Oh, they, they shot for 7%, but, but 2018 is a bad year. They're going to end uh, with, with a 1% return or maybe a negative 1% return. That's not that big of a deal. But I think it's important to understand, like, no, they were counting on that. And if they don't make it this year, either A, they're going to make it in a future year. They're going to need a 8 9 14% return, whatever, in the future. Or B, well they're even more unfunded than they were before. The date in which this pension fund will basically run out of money has now been moved up by uh, months, potentially a year plus. Okay, so this is a big deal when they don't make it. And I want to show you uh, just how bad of a position um, some of these, these uh, pension funds are in considering the recent price action in the market. Okay, so I actually want to go to... So you can see right here, this is their... Uh, actual asset mixes, and this is our long-term long policy target. I'm guessing domestic equity, international equity, um, maybe at higher levels because even fixed income, corporate bonds, like corporate bonds may have gone up in price. Now, remember, this was June 30th. To, sorry, I, I moved that, and, and of course, this bar comes down. June 30th, 2018. So stocks were in a relatively good position here compared to where they were are now. So equity was up income probably including corporate bonds. I'm not sure about government bonds at this point, but corporate bonds may have been up in price as well. And so as you can see, they're above their long-term policy target. They need to rebalance as a whole. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. They give out their top 10 equity holdings by fair value. And when they say percentage of portfolio, I, I guess I could do the math as, as, as far as their total portfolio goes. Um, I would assume that we're talking their their entire portfolio, their entire, uh, and I guess if you compare it to this, that would probably make sense, their entire investment portfolio, meaning that they have over 
in Apple, over 1% in Amazon, or at least they did roughly six months ago. Uh, and, and so you can go down this list, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Facebook, Alphabet, which is Google, JP Morgan, Berkshire Hathaway, um, Alphabet again, so Google. Look at that. I mean, they have almost a full percentage point in Google, ExxonMobil, and uh, Johnson & Johnson. Okay, so it's almost like, and I don't... I, I don't want to be presumptuous here, but it's almost like they're bragging. Like, look at these great tech stocks that we've owned over the last six months, over the last year. Like, can you imagine the returns? Like, we're in such great position because we've been owning these stocks. Now, we don't know for sure what stocks they owned three months ago, one month ago, what they own now. But if we do kind of go on this assumption that they're more or less still own, they own a similar amount of shares or maybe even a percentage of their portfolio in these assets, just how poorly have those assets done? Well, okay, as you can see here, the Dow Jones, NASDAQ, S&P, um, they've varied returns over the last six months. And this is a percentage point that I have it on here. So uh, let's see here. Um, the NASDAQ is, is looking at uh, roughly a 4% decline, a little under that. We'll move that out of the way. The, Or maybe that was the Dow Jones. I don't even know. Eh, probably NASDAQ. Okay, oh, you got to hide that. Uh and then we have a roughly 4.5% decline here from that. Move that out of the way. Okay, and so S&P is probably going to be right around Dow Jones. Okay, 4.5%. Well, this is a really cluttered chart, what we're looking at right here. But this is all those stocks that I just showed you. Okay, and this is over six months. So this is including their move up as well as their move down. In fact, you can see, I think this is Johnson & Johnson right here, this black one. They were actually one of the bright spots in their portfolio until this big scandal came out that they had something to do with cancer and, and, and some of their baby powder. But basically, none of these are above this 0% line. All of them are down. The only one that's even close, I think, is what Berkshire Hathaway, which is, is, is uh, you know, what is that? A little under 4% right here um, lost, okay? But this looks even worse if you look at a three-month chart. These are down all of them over 20% over the last three months. They're all in a bear market, right? So if you compare this to this, you know, over the last, uh, Dow Jones over the last three months, it's gonna be down, what, like 15%, I'm guessing? Not even, 13% with this recent bounce. All of these, even with their recent bounce, all under 20% loss. And so what that tells you is that they were almost, again, maybe they're not bragging, maybe they just wanna put it out there, but these were their companies that they held a lot of value in. And that's where they're at right now. So again, going off this Apple, we'll look at Apple, 364.38 million at the beginning of the year. It's lost. Uh, let's see, where's Apple on here? I know this is this is uh, extremely cluttered and, and I should just X out a lot of these so we can look at the ones that we want to look at here. Apple, well, we'll leave Facebook on there because that's another great one. Apple right here is in orange. And as a whole... They're down 30% in the last three months. If you look over the last six months, if, you, if you're generous and you count that move up, they're still down, you know, what, like 15, over eh, like something like 15, 17% on the year or on the last six months. 17% decline on that. I mean, a 10% decline, that would be a loss of, loss of $36.4 million in their portfolio, Right? At the depths here of Apple, they were down like 20%, right? So we're talking over a $70 million loss just on Apple. And then I left Facebook up there as well. Now, where's Facebook? 
they're in, in they're this maroon color and and here we go this is great because you have their huge run up and then you have i think some scandals that came out um app uh, uh, facebook was down um, a ton over the last three months a similar percentage point you know between 16 and 20 percent it's a huge loss okay and the reason i'm showing you this is to show you that that this stock market decline is hardly uh, benign. This is uh, very dangerous for for um, for these these stocks or sorry for these pension funds, right? And so even if you look up 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 uh, where is it? Their asset mix between international and domestic equity. That's what roughly sixty percent in between these two equity funds. If, if even if we are generous and say they only counted like a ten percent loss over the last six months in those in those um, various equities, ten percent loss. That's a six percent decline, right? Ten percent of ten percent loss, sixty percent of their overall. That's what a six. I th- correct me if I'm wrong. A six percent decline in their overall um, asset basket of their overall fund. Right, and then you can look at fixed income. Where are they holding most of their fixed income in? Well, you got treasuries primarily, and you know, as a whole, they have recovered somewhat, I guess, <laughs> if you compare them to to where they were in the past. And maybe I was wrong. You know, uh, I, I said that you know over the last six months they had looks like they maybe were overweighted. Maybe they just put more in there for some other reason because treasuries as a whole lost value heading into 2018 and for much of 2018. Um, of course, yields have been coming down in the last month or two. Um, but as a whole, uh, treasuries as well, uh, even if treasuries are not going to move a ton, right? They're going to yield their their 2%, their 3%, whatever it is. You can see their coupon here. The highest they have is 4.5%. That's like, what, a 30-year. Um, but as a whole, their fixed income is, is not going to move a ton in asset prices, but their equity, a 6% loss, right? Even if you count for like an average of 3% gain in fixed income, fixed income is only going to be a quarter of it, right? That is not even close to offsetting their 6% loss because of equity. Private markets, who knows how much they're gaining or losing there. But the takeaway here is that pension funds, like don't get me wrong, in 2019, it could be a horrendous year, Right? Or for the entire fiscal year, 2018-2019, for the Minnesota Pension Fund, beginning in June 30th, ending in June 30th, or beginning in July 1st, ending in June 30th. Uh, it could be a terrible fiscal year for them. But the point of this is not that pension funds need a massive 10% decline on the year, a ten, you know, negative 10% return, not even negative 5%. What I'm saying here is that a 1%, a positive 1%, positive 2%, negative 1%, that's enough to compound this problem, to make this a major funding issue. I mean, it's basically, they it's make or break for all these pension funds that are expecting six and a half, seven, seven and a half, eight percent returns on the year. Each year that they don't meet that, they're going to need to either have a higher return in the future or they're going to need to uh, find some other way to fund their pension or just not pay it out, which I don't see as a reality them just choosing to not pay it out. They're going to need to find some other way to get that funding. Now, the other problem with this is is when you do have pensions that I think have have bad years and when they're just not getting the yield that they desire out of fixed income, what you have is that they move into riskier and riskier assets, right? And so you can look at, I mean, Minnesota is fairly straightforward. Now, I don't know all the details of where they hold this. Even in their 
fixed income, right? They're, they're still mostly in government bonds, right? I'm sure they have corporate bonds that they're not talking about necessarily here, but 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 as a whole, it's mostly government bonds. If you go to, to uh, in, in fact, we already have it up here, CalPERS, their fund is, is so backwards. And by the way, where is it? Uh, I want to show you one other thing down here. CalPERS. They changed their discount rate to 7%, lower discount rate, assumed rate of return. Um, it, it's, it's just so curious because it's, it's not going to change anything for them, whether it's seven, seven and a half, eight percent. Um, they're still probably not going to meet it over the next couple of years. Uh, so if you go down here, Cowpers has so many different funds, and and maybe they make it intentionally confusing and difficult for people to to audit and just realize how bad of a position they are in. Although there are uh, uh, companies out there, Pew uh, Pew Research, for example, if you Google Pew Pension Data, they have a wealth of data on this. Very interesting stuff. Um, so as you can see, they have a ton of different funds, and it's very interesting, or very, very confusing. Maybe interesting if you're into this stuff. But if you go into like where they actually hold it, they have it all over the place. Uh, I'll find it here eventually. Um, they're, 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 they, they had one in here uh, that I'll eventually find. Uh, okay, so you, you can even see it here. Calpers Investments at Fair Value. Maybe this is their entire Calpers. Okay. Global equity, a fair chunk in that. This is what in thousands. So this is like a massive amount in domestic and, and international equity. They have asset-backed loans, bank loans, international debt, even treasuries. Like they have a lot of treasuries, but even compared to to corporate debt and other, it just seems like they don't have a whole lot in there. Derivatives, they have their own derivatives, and maybe Minnesota does as well. But it's. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's quite as large of a, a chunk of, of all that they have. Um, if you continue to scroll down here, uh, there's one really in particular. Again, this one was published, I think, June 30th. Okay, so this is a corporate bond market. This is interesting. Okay. Oh, wow. Look, like, look at that. Almost half of it is in AAA rated corporate bonds. Like that's good on them. And look, as you go down, like A's, you know, uh, in, in, you know, as you move into the junk range, uh, not a whole lot in there, but like, wait, what's this? Like over 22% in non-rated bonds. Like I, that can mean a lot of different things. I'm not an investment specialist. I don't know exactly what they're holding those in, but that's maybe a bit of a red flag. 22%, 22% not rated bonds. Um, maybe they're benign. Maybe that's not a huge deal, but again, that's, that's worrying. Uh, that was, that's not what I want to show you. Okay. Here we have this. They have it split up between all the different currencies and the different foreign markets that they own. Uh, assets in and so you can see a lot of, of really ones that they've probably taken a bit of a loss on thus far you can see the indian rupee indonesian uh so basically these countries so india indonesia um there's some other ones on here uh probably malaysia this is all the emerging market crisis that we dealt with uh through the middle of this year um, maybe a bit into the quarter three um let's see what other ones do we have on here but the big one on here was the Turkish lira, and that they have a, a fair amount in. I mean, not a ton, but a fair amount invested in the Turkish lira, and they've taken a beating. And then you go to the derivatives book, and this is you know, notional in dollars, how uh, basically how much money they have in various derivatives. Uh, and, and the one that I found very interesting was index futures long, right? They were over $6 million long on index futures. And, and they might have made quite a bit of money on that for a month or two. 
but come October, they probably lost a lot of money on that. They're, they're massively long, right, in index futures. This is basically uh, Dow Jones or, or, or S&P or NASDAQ. They're massively long and yet not very short at all, right? And that's just one. I mean, that's the massive derivatives books on all sorts of these things and, and uh, fixed income futures. They were long there. I mean, who knows what that means if that's uh, uh, treasuries, well, then great. Yields have come down. If we're talking about corporate bonds, eh, not so much. I would expect corporate bonds to continue to uh, rise, especially uh, uh, what uh, high yield debt. So I, I could go on and on here. I'm, I'm, what, 20 minutes in this video already. Look at that. Interest rate swaps and bond swaps. And just all these different um, derivatives that they have. Uh, the, the point of this is that pension funds are in trouble and you know what? For much of 2017, even January 2018, when, when stocks were doing great, I'm sure many of these fund managers went to sleep pretty well at night. They had this idea in their head that, you know what? I was really nervous there for a while. I, I could not wait to get off this board. Uh, and, and, and lo and behold, Maybe we were right all along. Maybe we could meet our funding requirements. Then February comes around. We have a 10% correction in the stock market. But you know what? By October, by September, back at all-time highs. Stocks are at all-time highs again. And then we go into a, a what? A 20% decline in some of these stocks, right? And, and the sad thing is, is that they're rebalancing. They're rebalancing back into stocks as far as we know. And so stocks are going to come back up between now and the end of the year. You're going to see pension funds, likely if they haven't already, buy up stocks in order to, to move back to their mandated values. And then what happens after that, right? They had 45%. Now they put 50% into to U.S. stocks. What happens if stocks drop another 5%, 10% in January, another 15 20% on the year? They're, they're in a tough position. But the big takeaway here is not that they need to... Uh, lose terribly on the year. They don't need a huge, massive loss. It's just the fact that they even have a small loss or even just a small gain that is not meeting their requirement, their long-term planned return of, of 7% or whatever it is based on the fund. If they don't meet that, it, it puts them in a worse, worse position. It moves up that date by months or by years of, of when these pensions are going to run out of money. So pay attention to this. If you have family members, if you have friends that are going to be dependent on these pensions in the future, make them, make them, encourage them to do their research. Have them watch this video. I've done videos on pensions in the past. You can uh, look up their own plan details. So Minnesota, not in a terrible position. California, not so much. They're in a very tough position in the future, right? New Jersey, Illinois, some of these other, uh, I think it's Kentucky. There's some other ones out there that are just, in I think, Kentucky Teachers Pension Fund or something like that. They're in a very tough position, and, and they're going to be some of the first ones to fall. And it's going to be very interesting to see how this all is uh, figured out because I don't think the solution here that they had in mind was to not pay out these funds. No, it's going to be it's going to have to come through a bailout or, or raise in taxes. And either way, uh, the consumers are going to pay for it either through inflation, higher taxes, or both. So love to hear your thoughts on this video down below in the comment section. I hope this has been informative. I hope this has helped to, to spark your curiosity as to, to your local, your own state's pension funds and, and just see how uh, bad of shape that they may be in. So as always, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video and God bless.